Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on DKPittsburghSports.com, talking about your Pitt Panthers on another Sunday in the year 2022. We'll get to Pitt basketball. That was a wild game uh, where uh, I've I've seen some roller coasters, but man, as, Je- as Jeff Capel put it, that was a, a Jekyll and Hyde type of game. But we'll get to that later. We're leading about Pitt football, and... We could spend time talking about Frank Signetti and Keaton Slovis and uh, Kanate uh, Mumpfield and their first press conferences, but I'm not going to spend too much time on that. We got a whole offseason to deal with them. What we're talking about is Kenny Pickett because a lot of you Pitt fans want to know where is he going to go? Who's going to take everybody's favorite Pitt quarterback? The guy that shattered program records, ACC records led Pitt to its first ever ACC championship. And the first real step to seeing where any of that's going to go this offseason was the Senior Bowl. Now, Kenny Pickett during the week earned the 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 recognition that he was the best um the best national or best quarterback of the national team during practices. Dale Lolly was on site, he could tell you more about that. Um and Throughout the week, you know, there were some rough times for all the quarterbacks. Like we've said, this isn't the best quarterback class or the most highly talented one. So the question is, can Kenny Pickett be QB1? His top competition, who was all on site for the Senior Bowl, of course, Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati, Malik Willis of Liberty, Sam Howell of North Carolina, Matt Coral of Ole Miss. He was not on site, so I take it back, not all of them. But those are like the main cast of characters that you'll be dealing with that he's going to be going up against. And in this game, I'd say that Kenny, you know, after this week, didn't cement his place at QB1, but certainly showed, I think, the things that people wanted to see from him. They wanted to see his leadership. They wanted to see his ability to process the field. And when it came to seeing the field, Kenny looked like Kenny in there. 
He was 6 of 6, 89 yards, threw a touchdown, did eat a sack. And he also got a 38-yard completion, which was the second longest completion of the day, at least for the national team. Well, no, for all teams. It was, it was the longest for the national team. Point being, Kenny didn't do bad. Could have done better. Um, that 38-yard pass was thrown really low, and if he and it was to a wide-open guy, and if he just hits the guy in the numbers, the guy probably runs for a touchdown, and uh, we're all looking at Kenny Pickett like he definitely is QB1. And it's crazy how such a big decision could come off of one play, but you get what I'm saying. But looking around the field, there was who who really impresses you in this quarterback field? I will say Desmond Ritter was the guy that impressed me the most of the quarterbacks. And that's not to say that Kenny you know, didn't impress me, but of the guys who, you know, of what I expected, he was the guy that, that, that was above his expectations for me a lot more than anyone else. He completed four of six passes for 68 yards and two touchdown passes. And I just, I saw him... You know, running, he used his legs a little bit more. He was seeing the field and, and kind of dealing with pressure a lot better. I, I think one thing that was a little bit unfair to all the quarterbacks is that these defensive lines in this year's Senior Bowl were just crushing the offensive lines. I mean, it, it, they were getting after every quarterback. Sam Howell got sacked three times in this game. He lost two, he fumbled twice in those. In those. Uh, Bailey Zapp, the Western Kentucky quarterback, who threw like 62 touchdowns or something crazy this year, he got sacked four times in this game. Um, in fact, the only quarterbacks who didn't get sacked were Desmond Ritter and Carson Strong. Everybody else got sacked, and uh, Strong threw a pick in this game. But can Kenny be QB1? That's the question. Now, Malik Willis is a lot of other teams. A lot of people are saying he might be QB1 because he has the cannon of an arm and the legs of a running back. And he can make you miss. And there were some minutes where like you were like, whoa, okay, that's impressive. Because he did have a 27-yard run. He took four carries for 54 yards. But, of course, everyone's thinking, uh, Lamar Jackson running back at the cornerback position, even though Lamar Jackson's more than that. Um, but, you know, people people are worried because he, he didn't complete any passes downfield. His longest completion, he went two, first of all, he went two of four in passing for 11 yards, and his longest completion was for six yards. Now, granted, of course, short, short sample size, you know, he was out after – uh, three drives and or excuse me, uh, um, three uh, three drives and fifteen plays. Kenny only had two drives and nine plays. But for me, what Kenny has to do to solidify that QB one spot, because again, this isn't a it is a, there's no Trevor Lawrence, there's no Joe Burrow, there's no Desha- there's not even a Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson wasn't picked first overall. But there's no guy that everyone jumps at and says that's the man, that's the superstar quarterback that everyone wants to get. And you could talk about his small hands and how he doesn't fit this or he doesn't fit that. But I think if Kenny can go out in this combine at the beginning of March and show he does have a bit of a gun on his arm, because he doesn't have a cannon, he won't have the strongest arm. Malik Willis has a stronger arm. I'd say Carson Strong has a stronger arm. But Kenny brings the full package of, hey, he sees the field, he uses his legs to create opportunities for, for his arm. And that's where I think you can't take it away from Because even his touchdown pass, it was just a check down to the flat. But it says something that you see when the check down's there and when you get it to the open guy. 
you know, for Malik Willis, there were guys open downfield that he couldn't, that he just didn't see. And if he did and he got it to him, we would be thinking a whole different thing. I think he would have, you know, put himself in QB1 territory. But again, the draft process is long. And in fact, we are currently in the middle of it. We're not even at the beginning of it. Because all these scouts and coaches and everybody, they've been looking at these guys for months. But for me, I, I think if Kenny's going to prove it, he's going to have to keep proving to be the leader that everyone wants to, wants to see. Because that's one thing that I think sh- you know shined bright for Kenny throughout the week is that people got to people who didn't get a chance to interact with him most to to, to kind of get what the Steelers have been able to get for the past four years, five years, however long Kenny's been a pit quarterback. The Steelers already knew what kind of a leader he was because they've talked to him. They already know how he carried himself. Now all these other coaches got to see that in front office people, and they're like, whoa. He made a heck of an impression by all accounts. And people want that kind of a leader in their locker room. But I also think Kenny Pickett, they see that he's not the fastest, he's not the biggest, and he doesn't have the, the strongest arm. But what's always made Kenny, and I've said this about his time at Pitt, even before he blew up this year, I said, you know, he's 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 not going to give you all that, but he is going to be a fighter. He is going to be a warrior, and if there's something out there, he's going to try and get it for you. And I think that that's what Kenny showed in this game was that, hey, yes, he was under siege for plenty of times in this game. And he's going up against all these other guys that are also trying to prove their, might to, their, their metal to make it to the NFL. And to be first round picks or whatever picks that they're, you know, that they're they're trying to work to be, I think that he did a good job in showing this. But he's got to be able to show that he can thread the needle further down the field, or at least take advantage of NFL spacing when it comes to coverage. If he doesn't do that in this combine, which I know it's tough, it's more difficult to do because you're, you know, you're you're just you're putting on a show. I I think that it, it would even serve to even have a pro day a bit just to come out and show like throw the ball around. Try to fit it into some tighter pockets. You know, Zachary Wilson, even if it's even if even if it's kind of just against against, you know, if there's if it's not against anybody, show people that you got a cannon, show that you could throw on the run. Do the things that they're asking of today's NFL quarterbacks. There's a there's a path for Kenny Pickett to be the first quarterback chosen. The question is also where he gets picked. I can tell you right now he ain't going first overall because the Jacksonville Jaguars already got Trevor Lawrence. They ain't going, they ain't gonna do nothing with that. But the Detroit Lions they're there at two. Would they take him there? I don't know if they'd pick take him at two because there's a lot of really talented guys who are of higher pedigrees at their position than Kenny is. But the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson situation, would they jump at it? I still think it's a little high. The Jets got Zach Wilson. They're not doing it. The Giants still riding with Daniel Jones. They're not doing it. The Carolina Panthers, though, rumored that they were looking at him. Maybe at six. Maybe that's the jump. The Giants pick again at seven. The Falcons pick at eight. Maybe the Falcons look at it with Matt Ryan. Maybe. Eh. Broncos, I think they got bigger plans at quarterback. Maybe getting a veteran in there. Then the Jets pick again at 10. But where I think the realistic range for Kenny comes between 11 and 20. If he's not, if, if someone doesn't jump to get him in the top 10. I think Washington takes one of these quarterbacks, whether it's Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. And that that that's where he'd go. He'd, he'd, he'd get Chase Young on the defensive side of the ball. 
You get Terry McLaurin, a pretty good receiver to work with. That'd be an option there. I don't see the Vikings doing it. I don't see the Browns doing it. I don't see the Ravens doing it, nor the Eagles, who have two straight picks at the 15 and 16, and then again at 19. The Chargers aren't going to do it. But the Saints at 18, that's a perfect fit, I think, for a Kenny Pickett if he's not gone by then. And that's why I don't think he's getting to the Steelers. Because the Steelers sit at 20. And the Saints, they need a quarterback. And a cheap, young quarterback that they can build around while they're dealing with the mess of a salary cap situation that they have with being $75 million over the cap. And Dale Lally, hey, he said it in Steelers today. If Kenny Pickett falls to 20, the Steelers are taking him. But the question is, is, will he be the first? We'll have to keep seeing how things play out with the with the combine and with how interviews go out and then you know the rumor mills start kicking up of who likes who and then the, there's the chess game of you know the teams trying to say oh I I like this guy no I like this guy but they're trying to get you to really like this guy over here because they want don't want you to catch the scent of who they're actually on the Steelers don't do that because they just come up and just say yeah we like this guy we're gonna show you we're talking to him and then we're gonna pick him because you're not going to pick him like Najee Harris like Pat Fryermuth like Devin Bush. But for Kenny, I think the biggest thing, if you're a Pitt fan that wants to see him land somewhere, the Steelers are nice. That'd be cool. Great story. But I truly think maybe with the Saints might be a really good fit for him, maybe even the best fit. He'd get Kamara. Presumably he'd get Michael Thomas. Saints are going to struggle for a bit. That's why Sean Payton left. But I also think that with Kenny, he would give that team with those weapons a fighting chance. And I think that when they got their ish together, when they figured some things out, he would be in his position where he could do his best and make some real marks on the NFL. Well, of course, we'll be talking this a lot more throughout the offseason. Lots of draft stuff coming your way. But we got to talk about pit hoops. They played a game and almost put off a great comeback. We're going to talk about that in just a minute right here on the H2P Podcast. Stay tuned. I'm Chris Carter. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here breaking things down. We just talked a lot about, about Kenny Pickett. First of all, if you're enjoying the DKPittsburghSports.com podcast platform, be sure to subscribe to it. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, anywhere. Find us. We there. Feel free. Um, we have a lot of great shows, not just Pitt, Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, all of it. For, again, feel free. DK has his daily shots. We got staff doing shows all the time. It's a great network to be a part of. And if you're not part of it, get on it. But I digress and I pull back to what a wild game I watched Saturday night at the Pete. I I have to tell you, my original headline that I started to write at halftime and started to piece together an article for was Pitt gets clobbered. And what the heck is going on, Jeff Capel? Because all season long, with all the losses, I told you, this this season wasn't about wins and losses for me. This season was about building. It was about who are the guys that you are developing? Who are guys going to be better so that next year, those sophomores, Femme Odekale, John Hugh Fourth, William Jeffress, Noah Collier, and then even guys that might stick around, like Jamarius Burton or Ithiel Horton. We know Ithiel's... Kind of an outlier because he just got back to the team. and That's a whole crazier situation. But you have a core there that you can maybe get some guys in the transfer portal and all of a sudden you're competing. So the goal of this year was to do that. And in this last game against Wake Forest, you didn't see that. They got clobbered. They were they never stood a chance. Wake Forest jumped all over them. You didn't see really Pitt fight back too strongly. And it was bad. And this game looked even worse at, to start. They were down 25 at half. There was no offense, no defense. Virginia Tech was on fire, hitting everything. They hit 13 shots in a row. I had never seen some stuff like that. That was like some Steph Curry type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, Pitt comes out in the second half like they're the Looney Tunes and Space Jam after they drank Michael's secret stuff. Turned out to just be water. And they go ballistic. And excuse me, they were down... 27 at half. My math stinks. And they they outscored Virginia Tech by 22 in the second half. And when I looked at this game and I saw what, you know, when I was, was, as I'm watching, I'm seeing the guy who led the charge for a second game in, in 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 a bad game overall by the team. But the one guy who was putting it on himself to try and put the team back in the game, the most was Femi Odakale. And I'd said just about two weeks ago, I was nervous for Femi because he was not playing well. He was losing. He was turning the ball over. He wasn't get, take, taking shots. He wasn't being aggressive. He wasn't pushing. He wasn't defending well. He wasn't doing anything. And I was like, what's, what's going on with Femi? Because he was one of the highlights of last season. 
And all of a sudden, in this game, he shoots 8 of 11 from the field, 5 of 7 from three-pointers. Most he's made in a game in his career. And hit all four of his free throws. We know that was a struggling point for him. And, I, you know, last, earlier this week when they played uh, Wake Forest, you know, we played well. He told us that, you know, one thing that the coaches told him was, and, and his players was like, hey, you haven't been yourself, man. You got to step it up. Shake off whatever you think you're, you're, you're trying to do and just do what you do. And Femi said, I'm not trying to let down nobody no more. And, well, I mean, Pitt's letting people down. But I will say Femi's putting on a fight. But all that aside, I've said all along, Jeff's biggest mission this year is to develop, is to get these guys to buy in, to understand what they got to do so that there's something they can hold on to that they can work on over the summer and say, hey, if we do these things and then a couple things click for us next year and then hopefully nobody gets arrested, that Pitt might have a competitive team. But as things continue to go with Pitt basketball, one door opens, the other door closes. You know, Pitt got bet was getting back Jamarius Burton for the seat, you know, at the, you know, at the start of the season. And Nike Sabande tears his ACL, Ithiel Horton gets arrested, and everything's womp womp to start the season. And then just like this, you know, John Hughley had been unstoppable at one point this year. It was looked like he was he had figured it out. He was the bully that they they recruited him to be. And Femi was struggling a little bit, and you're like, okay, Femi's you know going through a bit of a rut. And now Femi's figured it out, and now it's John Hughley who's struggling. He had two points in this game, second lowest he's had all season. And looks like he doesn't know what to do when teams double team him. And Femi said afterwards, you know, I think it's just that he has to keep his head up. He has to stay positive. We need his positive energy because when he brings that positive energy, it fe everyone feeds off of it. And I like Femi a lot. I do think that he is part of the part of the puzzle if there's a hope for Pitt basketball to get back to being competitively, uh, competitively relevant in the ACC. He's he's within the Jeff Capel tenure. It's got to be he's got to be part of it. But John's got to be part of it, too. And there was a sense of just despondence or just flabbergasted that Jeff gave when we were asking him after the game, like, Jeff, what's up with the slow starts, man? You're down, what, 22 in the first half against Wake Forest? 27 in the first half against Virginia Tech? Back-to-back -back games? What's going on, man? Slow starts. And he said, I wish I could tell you what was in their heads. He didn't have answers. And he even said, like, you know, he's like, you know, we shouldn't have to be, I shouldn't have to say anything. I shouldn't have to go out there and, and, and say, guys, this is what we got to do. Because they should know. It's February 5th. This is the later part of the season where you've played enough games that you know you need to be have a sense of urgency on the tip-off, sense of urgency at the, in, in, at the first four-minute timeout. A sense of urgency going into halftime, sense of urgency coming out of halftime and going in through the rest of the game. I admit I am not a basketball aficionado. I'm more of a football guy. 
I do enjoy basketball. I do like covering basketball. I do watch a lot of basketball and study it. I don't have the nearly the, the expertise in all the terminologies and stratagems of basketball. I do football. I don't have all that. But I do notice the little things that, that don't get done sometimes. I do notice when Pitt doesn't talk on defense, when they lose a guy, when, they, when, they're, when a, another team can run a pick and roll and Pitt doesn't pick up on the roll. And that's the stuff that I see Jeff. And I mean, I, I try to keep an eye on, on the game, but also watch Jeff because his he, he can be very emotional at times. And not emotional in a bad way, but he can be, and I guess emotional is not the right word, expressive at times with how he's feeling. And I, I know this because my first year of covering pit basketball, anytime Xavier Johnson started to take on triples and triple and quadruple teams, you would just see Jeff just kind of be like, oh, X, come on, man. <laughs> and he would just kind of just give this look that he was just like, I, I am trying to tell this guy to stop, but he doesn't listen. But as I, as I'm watching him and trying to coach Pitt through these through these moments where they just have these serious lulls to start games and even asking him questions afterwards, even he's being dumbfounded by it, and that's concerning. Does that mean his message isn't hitting home? Does that mean that is that the thing that needs to be like Heather like these be hey like whatever you're saying, dude, whatever you're doing, dude, you better hit you better make sure that they hit hits home. You better make sure that these these kids get it. That's where I'm not gonna lie to you listeners and say like, oh, I I know the answer there. That it just he just needs to they just he just needs to say something better and they'll get it. I'm I'm not gonna pretend to be some basketball super smart guy that knows what coaches should do all the time what i will tell you is this though i saw some people still saying oh this is way worse than kevin stallings i, I don't see that i i watched kevin Stallings. i didn't cover kevin stallings but i watched kevin stallings games those guys quit and it, it wasn't as i i wouldn't put put those on the players because the, the more and more stories that you hear about how just the practice sessions were bad the the Film sessions were bad. Everything was just poorly constructed and just made no sense for how anyone would want to run a Division One basketball program. So when I see people say, oh, Jeff Capo, like there was a comment, and I'm not coming at this one person who commented this in the DK Pittsburgh Sports Live file, but they said, you know, this is the, you know, if, if Jeff Capo, if, uh, if Kevin Stallings was bad, Jeff Capo's a worse nightmare. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's true. Even this being a terrible year for Pitt, Jeff Capo has three ACC wins. That's one less than Kevin Stallings had in two years. And again, in that second year especially, you saw guys quit. And there was a time where in this game, when they were down 27 and a half, I thought, I was like, if this team does quit, that's a different story. My And my outlook will be way different on this team. But even in their bad losses, I've seen this team try to fight through those moments and it may be too much too too much or too little too late it may be too much to overcome which ultimately it was again in this game but you still see guys fighting and believing in something with pit basketball which i know doesn't get them w's at the end of the day which is not which where you want to be as a program but like I said from the beginning of this year, and I will continue to say throughout it, this year for me, we knew this team was going to be bad. We knew this team was going to struggle. We, we just, the biggest thing that we had to see was could they fight back? Could they put a, could could they be able to say, hey, we're gonna find things to click, and can they put build a foundation to say next year we know what we got to do to be competitive? 
I feel like there's glimpses of that in a lot of these games. But Jeff Capel's got to get them to put it together soon. And I mean soon. And I'm not saying they got to go out here and, and beat Duke when they come to the Pete in a couple weeks. But I am saying over this next stretch of games, they do get to get Virginia Tech real quick, real quick again on Monday. They got they got to beat Virginia Tech. But through that last stretch of games, they need to not look like they're just being folded every single game. They need to come out. They need to fight. And they need to show, like, hey, there is an identity for Pitt basketball. It's got to be something, whether it's feeding John Hughley down low or Femi Otakali going, going nuts or both of them feeding off of each other. That would be nice. It's got to be something. If Jeff does that, I think that that, that that gives them a lot more ground to work with, and they're going into next year with with something that they can put on paper and, and put on film and say, like, all right, guys, this is our style of basketball. This is what we're doing. We're bringing in these recruits via the transfer portal. Let's get it. And maybe there's something there for, for 2022, 2023 with Pitt basketball. But it's got it's got to happen soon because they are running out of time to do this. Like Jeff said, they should be they should get this by February fifth. These these first half slumps have to end. Slumps will happen. Slumps happen in games, but they cannot last twenty minutes. And Jeff knows that. We'll see if those players figure it out very soon. They play again Monday. In Blacksburg, Virginia. We'll get to see them a lot more. We get to see Pitt football. We'll be talking more with them. I believe we have another availability with Pitt football again this Wednesday. Next week, now that the Senior Bowl's done, I will talk to you guys more about my thoughts on what we've what we've seen with the new offensive coordinator, Frank Signetti Jr., what we've seen with um, Keaton Slovis, Kanate Mumfield, uh, Shane Simon, the linebacker to Notre Dame that transferred in, and the now official that we already knew was happening, but now official edition of the new receiver court coach and pass game coordinator to Quan Underwood. Lots to be excited about with Pitt football. Hopefully Pitt basketball can get you excitement before the season's over. I'm Chris Carter. This has been the H2P podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to download us on Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Check out all of our, other podcasts on the platform for DKPittsburghSports.com, including DK's Daily Shots, back Monday through Friday, keeping you in touch with all your Pittsburgh pro teams throughout the week. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. And read all my work at DKPittsburghSports.com on your Pitt Panthers. Thanks for listening to another episode. I'll be back in, in your ears next Sunday with more on your Pitt Panthers.